Mitch McConnell is promising a confirmation vote on Brett Kavanaugh this week, and Me Too Energy is exploding into righteous rage, thankfully, like never before. So that's what Joe and I are talking about this episode, while trying not to contribute to the ever-growing clouds of toxic masculinity out there. And yet, we were unable to resist the allure of low-hanging, no pun intended, penis jokes. I'm Rod Mead Sperry. Welcome to episode 11 of After the Laundry, The Misery. Well, hello, Joe. <laughs> oh, someone just had a cup of coffee. Oh, uh, no, no. I'm just inexplicably good spirits. I don't inexplicably. know. Inexplicably. I, I don't know. I'm 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 amused. I, I, I see amusement, the reasons to be, you know, we're in a, this has been true for a long time. You know, we are in the midst. Let's hope, hopefully it's the midst. Hopefully it's not the beginning. We, we are in the national dick crisis. You are aware of that, right? For sure. And there's evidence of it everywhere. And it's been no pun intended. It's been a long time in coming. Oh man. (laughs) You know, um, it started before Trump. You know, there's evidence of it on on TV, right? Men are bombarded with what? Commercials for dicks that don't function properly. The American dick is it, it doesn't it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And it needs it needs constant affirmation exactly. one way or yes, another too. Affirmation pills. It, it it doesn't it doesn't urinate properly or or the way it's supposed to either. You would think that there is nothing more appealing to women. Than men who can't get erections without pharmaceuticals. I've often thought that I would like to have erectile dysfunction. It's actually a goal of mine. I would like to not be able to have an erection so I could know the happiness of a Viagra man. No one's happier than them. Women love them. They have disposable income. They drive convertibles. Not only do women love them, my friend Rod, happy women love them. Women who are so happy that they dance when they're by themselves love these, love these men. So I I hope one day to know this kind of joy. In the spirit of full disclosure, I think we should let our listeners know that this episode is sponsored by a Viagra. <laughs> I wish. Wouldn't that be great? You do know that there is a direct connection between watching football and erectile dysfunction, and that the more football you watch, the more likely you are to suffer from erectile dysfunction. And that's a fact. I just made it up, but it's it's a fact. It's a, as a non-football watching man, it sounds like a good fact to me. Yes. I think that the, the problem, well, first of all, let me say this, that the, the dick crisis, well, no pun intended again, is bigger than you think. Yeah, no, you can't keep playing the no pun intended card. <laughs> These things are just coming to me. There I go again. Oh, there you go again. <laughs> all right. Well, how would you solve the dick problem? Well, the dick problem is a major problem. See, the, the main problem with the dick, as I understand it, is the dick is external. It's an appendage. It's, it's, it's hanging out there. It's like an independent creature of sorts. And men can't control it. Men are not evolved. It's out there. It's almost separate from themselves, as opposed to the pussy, which is contained and, and inside there's a certain irony here because uh, the dick is relatively simple compared to the pussy, right? And it just hangs out there and then it gets an erection. And the pussy has got a lot of moving parts. It's much more complex, but it functions much better, it seems, than the dick. And the proof of that is there are not a lot of commercials on television for 
malfunctioning pussies. So, well, now I don't want to turn this into Team America World Police, but it seems to me that we don't have a dick problem. What we have is an asshole problem. Oh, the asshole problem. Now you're onto something there. The asshole problem is the major problem. In fact, if I were running for office, which by the way, I'm not, I would run on the anti asshole platform. That would be what I would run on, which by the way, now you could actually do. When I first had that idea years ago, it was kind of preposterous. I would challenge the scientific community the way Kennedy did with, you know, didn't Kennedy challenge the scientific community for getting us to the moon? That was a big thing. We're going to go to the moon. I would challenge the scientific community to come up with an anti-asshole pill, to come up with something that would stop people from becoming assholes. I understand like it's too late for some people. Like I'm trying to, like Roger Clemens comes to mind or Kanye West. They're lost. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about Roger Clemens. Don't watch football. Don't watch baseball. But is Kanye West an asshole or is he somebody grappling with mental unwellness? Well, you may be right about that. Uh, Maybe maybe he's both. Well, I guess that's possible. I'm I'm not, not really sure. But when you think about the asshole problem, you think about how assholes have risen to power everywhere we look. They run corporations. They run the educational system. They run the military. They run all branches of the government. They're conservative. They're liberal. Uh, they're in the private sector. They're in religion. They run religions. The asshole problem is the single biggest problem that the whole culture faces. Well, no doubt. But I'm talking about this in the context of the zeitgeist at the moment, which is completely charged with Me Too energy that's spiked increasingly because of the nomination and hearings around Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court, which, uh, as you noted to me offline, is is so omnipresent, it's like air. It's informing and coloring everything we're talking about. I, I don't, don't know. No, no, it's, no, 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 you're, you're right there. You're right there. It is informing everything we're speaking about. I was at the monastery on, on Sunday, and the Dharma talk began with an update on Supreme Court hearings. <laughs> Now, did it did it continue on to include commentary that was itself informed by that update, or was it, hey, I know that you're all dying to know who's you know leading in the World yeah. Series, so let me get this no, out no, of the it way. Was, it was mentioned in more than a, than a passing way, and this was a Dharma encounter Sunday morning where uh, students were lined up to ask a question of the teacher in a public forum and and a. Part of it revolved around either directly or indirectly Brett Kavanaugh. It's an inescapable fact of our life now. Listen, it's it's a function of the media now. The media amplifies everything. And this is a story that has not been like most stories, a 24 or 48 hour story. This has been in the news now every day for weeks. You know, I, I, I just did a little research on this this morning for what it's what it's worth. And I found this interesting. According to a, a, a Quinnipiac poll, whatever you, whether you believe polls or not, women oppose Kavanaugh by 55 to 37%. All right? Think about mm-hmm. that. If that poll is accurate, it means that nearly 46 million women in America support him. That's a lot of women. It is. In the same poll. Now get this. This is why these polls make you crazy. 59% of all voters say that uh, Christine Blasey Ford is honest, yet 
49% say that Kavanaugh is the target of a, quote, politically motivated smear campaign. So what do we glean from that? Uh, I'll tell you what I glean. First, there is no consensus on this at all. And two, there wouldn't be consensus even if Brett Kavanaugh flashed Dianne Feinstein at, at the hearing. People's minds are made up and nothing changes people's minds. I said in, in one of our, our earlier podcasts that this is the golden age of bullshit. It is also yeah. the golden age of belief. See, I, I don't know that it's about belief. I think that it's about choosing a side. It was recently said by, said by Steve Bannon that the difference between the Republicans and Democrats in terms of doing political battle, the difference is, is that the Democrats start a pillow fight. The Republicans go for the head wound. Well, I think there's something to that, and that's kind of playing out now. Yeah, because the Republicans are going to not are not going to cave. I don't think. Listen, President Obama could have appointed Merrick Garland in a in a recess, and you know what? That's what a Republican president would have done. Fight it out. Yep. Whether it's constitutional or not is a debatable point. I don't know if it's constitutional. Do it anyway. Fight it out. Because now, of course, Democrats can't say this, but the unstated goal should be to stop Kavanaugh at any cost. Stop him. When I say at any cost, I mean any legislative cost or, you know, any, 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 sure. you know, any reason. Stop him. Whether he's qualified or not, stop him. Uh, and this was before any of this came, came out. This was before these al- allegations about sexual assault came out. That needed to be their stated goal. Gum up the work, slow it down, stop them. And the Republicans know that. The Republicans are savvy enough to know that. And the Republicans are going to do their best to not let that happen, even if it means, and I'm going to say it again, no pun intended, ramming it through. Don't you love that phrase, ramming him through? It's the perfect <laughs> phrase now for what's going on. They're going to ram him through. And all the women in, the, in this country who are not part of that 46 million women who, for some unfathomable reason, support him. All those other women, of course, are understandably horrified, many men as well, but especially women. Not just horrified, a lot of them are traumatized by it because they're living their own experience watching this. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be rammed through. And this is a true sign of a dickocracy. It's a true sign of a toxic patriarchy. I mean, think about this. There, There is the archetype, and we all know it, of the battered, loyal wife. She's married a bad guy. Maybe he's a drunk. He abuses her. He beats her. And it reaches a point, finally, she can't take it anymore. She files charges. And yet, when she goes to court, she doesn't change her heart and she doesn't press charges. She, she says, no, these aren't bruises from a beating. I fell. It's the battered wife who can't bring herself to, to turn her husband in. She, it's, it's a relationship in which she's being abused and can't escape the abuse. Well, isn't that what's happening culturally in this country now when the majority of white women voted for Trump? I think that, though, what you're pointing to is the fact, you know, there is no magic pill that we might take to undo the dick or asshole problem. But the magic pill, and it's a really long, slow time release formula, is education. That means making an investment in educating people about options, about values, about human decency, about all of those things. 
And also I think that the Me Too moment is in itself, and the Kavanaugh hearings are in educational moments. As traumatizing as it may be for some people, we are finally starting to put out in the open so many things that were unsaid. Well, uh, I think that saying that they're educational is somewhat of an optimistic view. I hope you're right. Let me ask you this. Have you ever drank so much that you don't remember what you did? Sure. You have? How long ago? (laughs) I mean, high High school. school. Okay. All right. To me, it was college. I mean, freshman year college. Oh, I'm sure I did in college, too. I just... Don't remember. Don't remember. Now, freshman year in college, I had, honestly, I had a, a drinking problem. I didn't drink a lot. I didn't drink, uh, I didn't drink frequently, and I, didn't, and I didn't drink large amounts, but it didn't matter. Because I could not handle my liquor at all. If I, if I had two beers, I was sloshed. And I'd wake up the next morning in the infirmary not knowing what happened. And people would tell me what I did, which was usually urinating in the bushes in front of the administration building. But you, you could have told me I murdered a giraffe and I, I wouldn't have known before I conked out was a complete blank. And I, I cured myself of this quite simply by I stopped drinking. But that is not a good feeling, as you know, since you've had the experience, right? To wake sure. up and not know what you did. And for Kavanaugh to pretend that that didn't happen. First of all, it's totally disingenuous because nobody who says, I like beer, with no prompting at all, as many times as he did. I mean, was he getting a kickback from the beer council? He said, I like beer, I don't know how many times. He also strangely admitted that he was kind of into farting, too. Um, Who isn't? But um, it's just not the kind of thing that you involuntarily bring up at your job interview, I would think. Well, do you think that he was consciously lying. Absolutely. I have no so doubt you, in my mind. You think he's consciously lying. See, I'm not convinced he's consciously lying. The, the baloney with the, the slang he got question about, devil's triangle and boofing oh. and so on, that, is, that makes very, very clear that he was yeah. lying. You could, see that, you could see when he answered the questions he was lying, but then Google devil's triangle and find one reference anywhere in the world you know, pre-Kavanaugh hearing to it possibly being a drinking game, you won't find it. What you will find is that it's a sex act that includes two men and a unwilling or not so into it woman. And he knew that when he said it. Uh, the boofing thing was bullshit yep. too. And we've seen that a, that a number of people are starting to come out and say, I knew Kavanaugh and he was a, a drunk. And a new piece just came out. Geez, I wish I could remember the source. It was either the Times or the Post, in which a letter uh, was surfaced that Kavanaugh wrote himself describing his group of friends as drunken and rambunctious and saying we could get evicted from our beach house. And so, I mean, this is not a person who was a beer connoisseur as a college person. He didn't drink beer because he loved the taste. This wasn't... Yeah, I love beer. This was, I love beer. Get the fuck out of my way. I I agree with everything you just said. So let me rephrase what I meant to ask you, because I do think that he's lying about those things. Yes. Do you think that he's lying about the incident with Christine Blasey Ford consciously as well? Because that's where where there is 
a gray area and a question, because I think it is possible that this happened exactly as she says it did. And that he did exactly or something like she says that he did. And that he thinks he he didn't. And that he thinks that he didn't. Because I found for whatever whatever it's worth, and I get this, I understand this will get me in in trouble with my liberal friends and I'm going to, you know, claim to my liberal bona fides anyway here. His opening testimony, before he got into all the stuff you're talking about, I found it credible. I believed him. By that, I mean, I'm not saying I believe that he didn't do it because I don't know. But I believe that he believes he didn't do it, which led me to believe, well, if he if he blacked out, if he did this, blacked out and didn't remember it, then he can be he can he can be aggrieved and defend himself and cry and say it wasn't me and there's a there's a conspiracy against me and I had nothing to do with this and honestly believe it even though he did it. I think it is possible, but but it doesn't matter. It actually, I mean, it definitely matters if he did this to this woman yeah. and or anyone else. But whether or not he lied about it or not, knowingly in his testimony, he lied about the things that he used to cover up his lie. I mean, he's just just disqualified. He's not disqualified yet. And what this is going to come down to, this may come down to two women, the senator from Maine and the senator from Alaska, both Republicans, both women. If they vote against him and and the Democrats all stay together, which is iffy, it's very possible one of them will flip. His fate is in the hands of two women with tremendous power. What are they going to do? They could stop him dead in his tracks. But at the same time, they are aware that doing so comes at great risk, and not just professional risk, but we look, for example, at the very fact that Dr. Blassie Ford was confronted with death threats. Yes, Kavanaugh claimed death, death threats as well, if not death threats, violence. I'm going to say this. Lisa Murkowski in, in, in Alaska is a renegade. She did not get the Republican nomination for Senate in that state. She ran as an independent and she won. She yes. can vote no if she wants to. Will she? I don't know. Susan Collins in Maine, she can vote no. I, it, it's unfair of me really to put it all on them when you're going to have all these Republican males voting aye. I, I mean, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Flake, I'd be shocked if he votes against Kavanaugh. I mean, he, he kind of Something about him. I have mixed mixed feelings about this uh, th- this guy. Did you see the video of him being cornered? I did. I frankly, I think he's an opportun an opportunist. He may want want to run against Trump. That's interesting. Uh, you know, um, now this elevator video came up for discussion at the monastery on Sunday morning. How so? One of the uh, during the um, during the uh, oh, the Dharma encounter. One of the students brought it up. And, and asked the teacher, Shugen Roshi, whether he had seen the video because she had sent it to him and he had not seen it as yet. And she mm-hmm. and she was quite moved by this video, by these two women confronting Very Flake moving. in an elevator. And she said, from her point of view, that that uh, Senator Flake looked ashamed. I, I now, agree. that wasn't my take when I saw it. I'd have to look at it again. My first take when I saw it was I saw a human being there. I saw a guy who was, he seemed to me, I mean, maybe he was partly ashamed, but he, he seemed to me like he was genuinely impacted by their story. And then after that, the reason why we have this F- FBI investigation is because of him. 
So maybe, maybe they tipped it. Maybe they actually, maybe he acted from a place of conscience that they, that they moved him in a human way. So I thought, wow, this guy's, you know, there's a human, there's a human being there. He seemed to me like a guy really torn. And then today I saw a, a video of him, a video of him earlier. You know, Trump's made these hateful remarks about Christine Blasey Ford and, and, and Flake called them out. But when he was asked, would that disqual- does that mean you will not vote for Kavanaugh? He said, no, Trump's comments have nothing to do with it. So, I mean, what is the point of calling out Trump's misogynistic comments if you're not going to take action? Well, this is this is why I think the guy might be an opportunist who is going for some version of plausible deniability. Look, I arranged for the hearing. Right. Look, I called him out when he spoke. I've been more level-headed here than any any of my colleagues. For me, I, I come back to Murkowski and Collins. I'm fascinated. Mm. Be, where is their loyalty? Where is their where is their soul here? Where is their heart? Is it with party, or is it with more broadly uh, uh, the Me Too movement? And not allowing what even if there's doubt, even if they believe that maybe maybe Kavanaugh did not do exactly what, 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 what Christine Blasey Ford says he did, or maybe even if they're unsure, is that enough to inspire them to vote no on the off chance he is in fact guilty as charged? They have real power. And, and the worst scenario I can imagine, and, and my word, uh, what you said about the Democrats and the Republicans before in terms of how they use their power, I think is so true. Imagine if both of those women Collins and Murkowski both vote against Kavanaugh and one Democrat flips. Then it's a 50-50 tie and Pence comes in and breaks it and he gets in because the Democrats could not hold their caucus together because someone split. Wow. Who is the Democrat you would expect well, to Joe, flip? Well, uh, Joe Manchin is one. Is, I don't know if he's in Virginia or West Virginia. He's in one of those states. And uh, the senator from North Dakota or South Dakota, again, I, 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 her name is uh, escaping then, I mean, now, but she's a senator in a state that Trump won by 10 points. And she's up for re, re, re-election, and she probably thinks she's going to lose. And, you know, there's some rumor that maybe she'll flip. I don't know much ab- about her, obviously. I'm not even recalling her name now. The way this plays out, it's a fascinating thing to watch. It would be a monumental thing if Murkowski and Collins stopped the Republican from getting their man. You know, it's not enough to speak out against the nomination. You have to come down. It's a biblical moment. It's which side are you on? You have to declare. And the whole thing speaks to something bigger, Rod. An arcane system, an utterly outmoded, outdated system of government you think about it when when the when this idea that a Supreme Court justice was going to serve for life, what was the average life expectancy? Forty eight. <laughs> All right. Did anyone could anyone serve more than 15 years, 20 years? People didn't live to be 104 then. This is insane. Rather than, you know, each president during four years gets two two picks. They serve for 18 years and every two years we get a new justice and someone gets booted, booted off. It's insane, but that's how we do it. Our, our, our system of government 
it's so broken. This is right up there with the electoral college. This guy could be on the bench for 50 years. It's unbelievable. Or, or, or at least, you know, 30, 40. Yeah. You know, we're still stuck with Clarence Thomas and could be for another 10 years. <laughs> Any, anyway, when you see that 46 million people, again, if this poll is right, 46 million women support Kavanaugh. That is a shockingly high number, right? I mean, it's a shockingly high number. How do you change their minds? You know, I did a uh, promo for uh, a, a sh- for my Joy of Censorship uh, show, and, and we shot it on Fifth Avenue in front of Trump Tower. Right. And I, and I say, hey, it's Joe Rayola here. I'm here. You can see I'm across the street from Trump Tower here on Fifth Avenue where, where Donald Trump famously said he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and still not lose any supporters. Well, of course, I'm sure he was only joking. And then I get shot. I fall down. He, he was not wrong about that. He, he, I mean, metaphorically, that's exactly right. It's what I, it's what I mean when, when, when I say that Kavanaugh could have flashed Diane Feinstein at the hearings and it wouldn't have changed people's minds. But I said to you earlier in the day, John Lennon wrote Woman is Negro of the World in 1971, I think, was the year, or 71 or 72. Yoko, Yoko said it first. When John was asked about that song, he talked about how in any culture, as far as he could see, that the women got the worst of it. Yeah. Of course, John, John was on his own journey. You know, Lennon's journey from, I'm going to say, misogynist to feminist I think is a hopeful one. It's an important journey to remember now because it is possible. Lenin's proof of it, that a, that a man can change. You know, when uh, the Beatles sang, I, I used to be cruel to my woman, I, her, I, I beat her and kept her apart from the things that I loved. That, that was Lenin. Lenin, Lenin. Lenin wrote, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man, which was uh, a lyric from an Elvis Presley song, actually, decades earlier. And he went from being that guy, and he, and he called, by the way, he called that song Run, Run For Your Life, That's right. his least favorite of all the songs he ever wrote. He went from that guy to the guy who sang and imagined a brotherhood and sisterhood of man and woman is nigger of the world, you know, you know decrying that, that fact. And he became the guy who went from writing girl to writing woman. Woman, I could hardly express my mixed my mixed emotions at my thoughtlessness. Please uh, remember, I'm forever in your debt. He transformed. So that's the hopeful thing, that men who don't get it, men who have a bad history with women, can evolve. There is hope in that sense, but it's a long journey. This is the problem with Kavanaugh's testimony. There was no evidence of any of that. There was very, very little, my God, it is completely unacceptable that these things could happen to this person. I could never do it. If I did do it, I don't remember it. I could not abide it now. If I did things as a, as a younger person that were horrific, I want to atone for them, and I want to pledge to all of the women watching this right now that I'm going to be an advocate for you as much as for anyone that was missing. Well, it's, it's tough being a powerful white man. I got bad news for you, Rod. We're not going to solve this. No, I guess we're not. But you know what? Um, for me, anyway, um, it's good to 
look at closely and reflect on deeply. And that is really what it's all about in a culture in which um, we still have a long way to go before we can say we truly respect not only women, but feminine qualities. But Mother, Mother Earth, think about what, what, what Trump and the Republicans are doing to the planet, to the environment. Yeah, there is no nurturing in Trump land. No, it's a bad time for men. He's afraid for the men. <laughs> well, it will be interesting to see what happens with our dickocracy because we're told by Mitch McConnell that there will be a, a vote on the floor this week. It is Wednesday as we record this. God knows what the next couple of days have in store. I'll look forward to talking to you about it on the back end. No pun intended. Till next time, visit joereola.com for more from Joe and for more from me, Rod Meets Sperry, and my colleagues at the Buddhist magazine and website Lions Roar. Check out lionsroar.com. Thanks for listening to After the Laundry, The Misery. Thank you.